Hi, this is Dave Denton of Dave's Voice Works and Radio Guy Reflections and TurnbuckleTrash.net. Two great podcasts, one about professional wrestling and one about radio. And it's all on Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, here's a great way to make a podcast. Use Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast because, hey, it's free. And they give all the creation tools that allow you to record and edit any podcast you'd like to do right from your computer. Use Anchor. Anchor, the best way to podcast and the best way to listen to Turnbuckle Trash or Radio Guy Reflections. This is Radio Guy Reflections. 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 Open your ears real wide and say, Give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. Here is a complete disc jockey show with all the modern pace of today's exciting radio. So, you guys hear anything good on the radio lately? On November the 2nd, 1920, the first radio station, KDKA of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, signed on the air. Over the years, radio has changed from radio dramas and live performances to the age of the disc jockey. From the man many believe popularized the term rock and roll, Alan Freed, and legendary radio personalities like Wolfman Jack, Dick Clark, Charlie Tuna, Don Imus, and the men who made talk radio what it is today, Rush Limbaugh, Howard Stern, Sean Hannity, and Glenn Beck. Hi, I'm Dave Denton. I'm a radio guy, and even went by that name on the air in Missouri. I'm a radio veteran who started spinning records in 1974 and have seen the industry change from 45s to LPs, carded music, CDs, and now music on hard drives. In this podcast, We'll take a look back, not only at my career, but other men and women who have worked in radio entertaining you. This is Radio Guy Reflections. Hi everyone, it's Dave Denton, and this is Radio Guy Reflections, brought to you by Dave's Voice Works, a website where I'm offering my voice to work for you. Dave's Voice Works also does consulting for radio stations and also will do commercials or audio projects for you and your business. Dave'sVoiceWorks.com. When you spell works, W-O-R-X. It's Dave'sVoiceWorks.com. Let Dave's Voice work for you. And a couple of updates quickly about past guests on Radio Guy Reflections. We want to send out our best wishes to Rebecca Cressman, if you remember Rebecca Cressman's interview with us a few weeks back, uh, she's battling cancer, and she recently underwent a very major surgery, but is doing well. Uh, and Rebecca, at FM 100 in Salt Lake City, uh, we wish you the best. Art Rascone, our friend uh, from Idaho, who is now a, well, he was an anchor for a, a Houston television station and has worked for CBS Evening News and ABC News in the past. He has retired from his midday hosting uh, duties at a uh, Houston TV station. Art, congratulations on your retirement. His son is basically taking his place in Houston, Texas. And Art, a great story. If you want to go back and listen to that podcast, get yourself a hanky because it really gets intense talking about covering things uh, like 9-11 and the Oklahoma City bombing for CBS Evening News and the situation in Haiti, too. Then we also want to say and uh, congratulations and are wishing our best to Randy Oxenbein. Randy Oxenbein, who works for KSL-TV and also for the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. A my- milestone in his career uh, this uh, this month when he worked his 35th year as part of the LDS Church's general conference 35 years that was his last one he's getting ready to retire soon and randy we wish you the best a great guy 
Today, we're going to talk to another great guy who is not at the end of his career. He's basically in the beginning and middle portion of his career. Uh, he's a, a great guy that is now uh, doing uh, a sports radio talk show in Logan, Utah. Also helps out with Utah State Aggie Athletics uh, on 1280 The Zone with Scott Gerard, who's been a guest with us before. He's got a great life story. He's a fantastic storyteller himself. And I want to say he's also a very good friend. Ajay Salveson, welcome to Radio Guy Reflections. Hey, Dave. Thank you so much. This is this is awesome. It's, uh, I, you know, I, I feel like it was an egotistical thing to – I wanted to call you and say, hey, you need to have me on your podcast. <laughs> but so but luckily, like maybe like four or five days before I decided to make that horrific mistake, you called me and said, hey, I'd love to have you on. And I was – I was so grateful. So thank you, Dave. It's, it's good to be on. Well, I thought it would be interesting. You know, we, we've, we've talked to Carrie and KT, who's a morning radio team in New Mexico, uh, about uh, being in their middle of their career right now. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about somebody who's basically in their infancy in radio. I know you've got a lot of experience uh, behind the scenes and doing sports, but your career is really starting to take off. So I, I want to talk to you about that in your radio career uh right now let's talk about your talk show that you do your sports talk show on the cash valley media group tell us how people can listen to that and where people can find you at yes yeah, so it's uh 106 fm 1390 am the fan uh we also stream on 106nthefan.com and we uh, have an app it's free 106 and the fan uh, you can find it in all your app stores whatever phone you have it's, it's there uh, it's called the Full Court Press. It's myself and Eric Franson. Uh, it's a two-hour uh, sports talk show from 4 to 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, just uh, We cover anything local in regards of high school and Utah State, and then we go nationally, of course, with uh, basketball and football and baseball. So a lot to cover. It's a great time of the year for sports. And I'm going to tell you this real quick. I, I turned in your talk show the other day, and you guys had a great interview going on. I believe it was with J.C. Carroll, a former Aggie basketball star who plays in Europe. And you talked about his career and how he had to make a decision for his family about whether pursue the NBA or play in Spain. Uh, how did you get that lined up? Uh, so we, we known JC for a while. Uh, Eric was able to reach out to him and JC actually, you know, he just retired from Europe basketball. So he's now finishing his career. Uh, and he decided, uh, the, you know, to move back. He actually is from Evanston, Wyoming, but he wanted to move back to Cache Valley. And in the interview, he talked about how it was like a no-brainer decision. His wife now is a, a cheerleading coach at a local high school over there, and uh, she loves it. He loves it in Cache Valley. So Eric reached out to him. He was nice enough to respond in a pretty pretty quick manner of time, and uh, we had him on, and I, I don't think that'll be the last time we'll have him on either. I think we'll, we'll probably do it again in the future. Now, for people that might be listening, J.C. Carroll – uh, was an NBA quality player who played on a mid-major school with Utah State and, and great outside shot. I thought the interesting part of your interview was he was talking about his family life and how he had to make that decision about whether to get some steady money and good money playing in Spain for a very good basketball team or maybe trying to live out that dream and, and playing in the NBA, which he had a really legitimate shot doing. And then he made that decision to to play in Spain, and and not only did he play, but he starred in Europe uh, basketball, didn't he? Yeah, you know it's it's funny um, because and it is a life changing decision. Like we either stick in the NBA, and you don't know how long your life is going to last in the NBA either. I mean, you might move from team to team and make bottom end money, or you might be a uh, a Mike Miller, a Robert Ory, where you go from team to team to team, and they still pay a high dollar to be productive like a six-man, seventh-man off the bench. And he decided to go to Spain, take his family to Europe, and uh, and have a very, very successful career in the very highest level of Europe basketball. Like He did it, and he was very successful. They won several championships. He set a couple of records, uh, and he played with some great basketball players that are now playing in the NBA. Luka Doncic, obviously MVP level. Uh, Joe Ingles, who's had a great career uh, from the Clippers to the Utah Jazz. And, and Pau Gasol as well. Obviously, he's a two-time champion. 
uh, formerly of the Lakers. And so he's, and so he's seen some of the great talent, even in Europe. And, uh, and that's something you can hold on to. And of course, like I said, he had a great career uh, just himself individually as a player. Uh, he made the right call, obviously, uh, you know, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but in the end, he he did what he needed to do, and he did the right thing, and I uh, couldn't be more happy for him. We're speaking with Ajay Salveson, uh, and uh, he is a radio sports talk show host right now. Uh, but Ajay, you have a, an interesting life story, too, because you are not from this country, but you came to this country very young. You're actually, aren't you from India? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I am. Okay, and and how did that happen? Because I know you got wonderful adoptive parents here in Cache Valley. Yeah, uh, you know it's it's kind of weird how life works. Um, so all my siblings are adopted. I have an older sister from Calcutta, India, a younger brother from Southern California, and a younger sister from Idaho Falls. Uh, and we, um, when my mom and dad got my sister from India, uh, from Calcutta, which is the same place I'm from. Uh, they, they came back, but they said just the bureaucracy and the government, uh, were just such a pain in the rear end to deal with. They said they had so many issues communication wise. They had a mediator that works in between, uh, from it, it's from the church services. Well, what was the church adoption services? And even the mediator had a hard time communicating with India. They just would not communicate back. And so my mom wanted, uh, another kid after she had got my older sister and they were going to go to Columbia. And they had a kid chosen. It was set to go. And then my mom, according to her story, says that she had a feeling that she uh, needed to drop out of the process and that wasn't the kid to get. And so she actually pulled out of the process after they had selected a kid. Mm-hmm. Crazy enough. And, 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 and during these things, by the way, they like you don't get to select a kid. They choose for you. Right. They, they, they choose for you. They say it's proposed. They said, here's your kid. What do you think? And you say yes or no. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, she went after the process got hung up and she canceled it in Columbia. She went, um, she's a religious lady. Uh, she went and prayed about it, felt like she needed to go back to India. Uh, my father wasn't, he was very supportive, but he wasn't entirely thrilled about going to India to do it again. Uh-huh. Uh, but they went through it and, uh, they, uh, they, they said they want another kid from India. And so they sent some photos of me. Um, and, uh, my mom sent it back, said, let's do it. I'll take them. And so I was supposed to come in Christmas of 86, and I think just before Christmas, I can't remember how, well, I don't care how close to Christmas it was, they got, a, uh, they got a letter and a photo of me like wrapped up in cords, and it said that uh, I had had blood problems, health problems, mental problems. I had, I mean, they list a bunch of things, including cerebral palsy, wow. and they said he's, he's going to die, so you need to pick a new kid, and uh my mom, through the mediator, I can like the mediator is just messaging back and forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom told the mediator, no, uh, tell him I want my kid here. That's the kid I wanted. That's the kid I chose. Uh, bring him here. And India responded and said, we're not going to ship a kid overseas just to have him die. It's just not worth our time. It's not worth the money. And so there's this argument going back and forth for like six months, not even joking. And I'm just hanging out in a crib, you know, for dear life or whatever was going on. Um, and then in April of 87, uh, they, uh, India contacted my mom and said, Hey, he's still alive and it looks like he's good to, he's, he's good to go. Do you still want your kid? Like they honestly asked that question. Do you still want your kid? Hmm. And my mom's like, yeah, bring him now. Like, duh. And so, uh, they shipped me over through, you know, you know, it wasn't like I was like a Moses. I didn't go through a little basket down the river. They, uh, <laughs> they put me on a plane and, and brought me to India. And I actually have a photo of it. It's pretty cool. I have a photo of it, of the, the mediator lady, the adoption lady handing me over to my mom for the first time. Oh, and, that's cool. uh, it, it is, it's, it, it's pretty dang cool. Um, and then they took me to, uh, um, they took me to a hospital and, you know, cause they, they could just tell there were some issues in, right. in their opinions. So they took me to an hospital, they gave me to a doctor and they said, look, just do some tests and tell us the worst of it. Like what, like what, how bad is it? And, uh, the doctor came back after doing some tests, handed, the, uh, handed me back to my parents and they said, he's fine. Like wow. there's, there's nothing there. There's a couple small things, but there's nothing major. He's going to be just fine. And, uh, you know, I, um, 
I uh, it's hard I don't enough. make it here. Uh, I, I I don't make it here without you know my, my parents having faith. They, I mean, honestly, I, and I wouldn't have blamed them uh, if they would have said, you know, yeah, let's go look for a different kid, find us somebody else that, that's going to be better this way, and it'll be less stressful for us. They they honestly could have done that, right? Um, and they took a major major risk in in coming to get me. And uh, that's, that's something just I'll, I'll never, ever forget. And I can never, ever repay them for uh, for giving me a chance to be here. And, you know, it, it, the crazy part is my siblings all know their birth parents, or at least they have some information on their birth parents, I'll right. say. Uh-huh. Uh, my, bro- my, my little brother and sister got letters, and my, my older sister has something on it. I don't. I don't have anything on my birth parents at all whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. And so um, the, the question is often came from people. And before you ask me, I'm just going to answer it. The question often comes from people of, do you want to see your parents or do you want to go back? No. Um, I have you. it pretty good here. I have yeah. a good family. I have a, I have a great opportunity. I've, I've, I've been blessed in so many dang ways. Um, I'm okay where I'm at. I'm happy where I'm at. And, and there's no need to go to go do any research. So, you know, I, I admire you for that. I mean, and you know, you and I have been friends for several years now and, uh, I've heard that story before, and I just thought it's, it's an incredible story of faith and also an incredible story that shows how your parents are good people, and they followed what we in the religious community would say the Spirit by telling them that you needed to be with them. And I have never—I don't believe I've ever met your parents. I know I've talked to your mom on the phone because she would win contests from me every once in a while uh, when I was on the radio— but uh, I, I've always admired uh, the story that you uh, you just shared, and I thank you for that, man. It's uh, that that's quite powerful. Yeah, thank you. I uh, appreciate you asking the question. It's and I get asked about it a lot. People are like, "Well, are you are you sick of telling the story? Are you sick of talking about it?" And I said, "No. Like, I mean, there's <laughs> there's there's a rhyme and a reason for like why I was you know why I made it here, and why would I hide that from people? There's All nothing right. to hide. It's." It's something that people can learn from and, and take hold of. So, yeah, no problem. Well, I think it's really cool, to be honest with you. And then I, I want to give a little shout-out to your mom and you because about the time that you and I met, I think you had just graduated from high school. I'm not sure if you had already been on your uh, uh, church mission or not. I don't. I think you had, and you, you were looking for some work, and we were looking for someone to work behind the scenes for our high school uh, sports broadcast. And that's how you and I uh, connected and I hired you to help us out with that. But I do remember one thing about your mom, and uh, it had to do with the band America. Do you remember that story and how oh, we connected man. with the song with the, the, the band America? Oh, my gosh. I haven't heard this story in ages. you got to tell us because I, I know I'm going to get details sketchy, so you got to tell it. But I, I do remember foggy details of this. Holy smokes. Now, I do remember uh, – th- this is the way I remember it anyway, and fill in the blank – uh, we, we had, cause I am getting old, you know, but anyway, uh, the cash Valley cruise in here, which is a great car show that, that comes every year around 1000 cars every year at the cash County fairgrounds. They started having uh, concerts and one year they had the band America. And uh, of course with the radio station, I was highly involved with the, uh, the concert and we had giveaways and ticket giveaways and things like that. And, I can't remember if your mom went to the concert or what, because it's about that time when you and I started working together. And I remember you telling me that your mom was a huge fan of America. And was there anything I could do? I did have, I think, one or two T-shirts and things like that. We got together a bundle. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, you gave that to your mother for Christmas. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I think it because I didn't have at the time. I didn't. She was a big fan of you, and she is a big fan of you and your work, and she listened to your station all the time. And so I, I had approached you about it one night, and uh, you were so kind in getting a T-shirt, and uh, I was able to give it to her for Christmas. She was beyond thrilled. I mean, she oh, got wow. a bunch of great gifts that year, and she she couldn't have been more excited. So yeah, that's that's right. I do remember that. Uh, that that was one of the cool things, because I remember you and I talking about that, and. And I saw that that look in your face like, I would love to do this for my mother. And that's the, the reason I did that. So 
you know, there's there's a little connection there. So, Mrs. Salveson, well, we 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 thank you so much for bringing us Ozjay. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, your your early life. Uh, you had some struggles because you are not big of stature. You're a little bit on the shorter side, but you are also a pretty good athlete and played a little baseball, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I was a pretty good athlete. Um, I, I definitely tried hard, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, baseball, like I love basketball. I really, really love basketball, mm-hmm. but I just, I mean, I couldn't, there's no way yeah. I could have ever played in that game. And, um, Football, I, I would have got split in two pieces. In fact, I think I played a couple games in high school, and I did. get. I feel like I thought I was going to die. Uh, <laughs> and then, But baseball was such a great sport for me because you could be as small as you want, have an advantage at the play, but then also play in the, in the field somewhere. And, yeah, I was able to play baseball for a few years. Loved it. I loved it. I loved – I fell in love with baseball like mm-hmm. crazy, and it became my number one go-to sport. And, uh, yeah, I got to play for a, a good chunk of my life, and – um, I had a, I wouldn't say I had a great career or anything like that, but I, I definitely had a lot of fun playing. And you also did some coaching uh, for some teams recently, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, so I was working at uh, 1280 the zone. I, uh, it was, it was a cold December night. Uh, I was just driving home at night and it's like a snowstorm. And I was on I-15 going home and I get a phone call from my good friend, Tyler Webb. And uh, I hadn't talked to Tyler in like six years, and I just it was really weird to get a call from him. And I uh, and I answered the phone. I shouldn't have answered the phone while I was driving, but it was a bad idea. But answered the phone, and he's like, and we start chatting for a little bit, shoot the breeze, and then he says, "Obviously, the reason I'm calling you is I want you to come back to Cash Valley to coach high school baseball." And I and I honestly like hit the brakes hard, swerved over, <laughs> and pulled to the side. And I was like, what did you say? And he's like, yeah, I want you to come back to Cash Valley and coach. And uh, I, like I said, I had a really, really good gig at, at 1280. I was full-time. I was living the dream. I was, oh, my gosh, it couldn't have been any better. And uh, I remember I was like, dude, there's there's no way. Like, I'm not meant to be a coach. I appreciate it. And he's like, AJ, he goes, I know you're the guy. I know you should be here, and I know you'd be great for these kids. So I, I told him I would talk, speak about it, and then I went to his house like a week later, and I was supposed to have dinner with him and his wife, and I remember telling myself when I got out of the car that I'm going to tell him no. I'm going to be polite about it, but I'm going to tell him no. And then two and a half hours later, after a conversation, I walked out, I shook his hand, and I said, I'm in. Hmm. And, and, so I, I, and so I had to call 1280 and tell him that I was leaving coach high school baseball it was the weirdest thing i remember when people found out about it because i tried to keep it low and not tell a lot of people but it got out pretty quickly um and people were shocked they were like what are you doing why are you leaving radio for this like it's not worth it man it, it it's not worth it to leave and uh and i and i wouldn't have blamed them and i didn't argue with them i they're probably right but uh i i feel like that's where i needed to be so i, I moved to i moved back to cash valley from salt lake right uh and and coached uh coached i was head coach of the freshman team and we won the region championship uh in my first year there uh which was incredible because we were i think we were like second to last in the region in the regular season and then won three straight games against the three top teams all on the road which was really impressive uh just got hot at the right time and then in the summer i coached baseball and helped out and then uh in the fall you know another opportunity came up that i'm sure we'll get to here in a little bit and i stepped away from baseball but i had a blast it was a blast those kids were great uh i had an incredible i have incredible memories in fact i just saw two kids yesterday at a restaurant we had a chance to talk and and catch up and go over some memories and um and it was fun it, i would never ever take that back and trade it i would never ever ever trade that time again it was it was a great great time and I learned a lot about the game, a lot about kids, and uh, I, I grew more of a love for baseball. Well, let's go b- back early in your career in radio because, like I said, you were hired basically to what we call doing a board op. That's behind the scenes where you make sure the commercials are played, you make sure that the announcer that's at, on site doing the game itself is going on the air and you're feeding information and things like that. But I'll, I'll just tell you this. I was impressed and how well you picked it up and how fast you picked it up because there's a lot going on 
with the computers and learning that particular program. And we were very simple set up, but you still, you grasped into it very quickly and you were helping as many people as you possibly could. But I saw something in you that I, I knew that you could go out on the field and do the play-by-play because you knew you knew basketball, you knew football, you knew baseball, and I I hope I encouraged you to to stretch your legs a little bit because you got the opportunity after a while to do some on-air work, and I, I thought you did a fantastic job. How was that? Uh, well, if it's okay, can I take you back a little bit before that? Oh, you go for I, it, man. Uh, I uh, I know I'm kind of jabbing way too much here. I apologize. Um, but I remember. So I never thought about getting in radio, ever, not once. I, I always wanted, in fact, in full admit, it's the first time I've ever admitted this, I wanted to be an actor. Uh-huh. I really wanted to be an actor. I loved acting. I, I um, did a couple plays, and I loved it. And so I really, really wanted to be an actor, and that's what I wanted to go into school for. Uh, and that was like in 08. Um, this is just after I got off my mission. And I wasn't going to school or anything. Even in 09, I wasn't going to school. I was actually working for a landscape company, uh, mowing lawns. Mm -hmm. And my best friend, Trevor, we were sitting there having lunch. And and there was a group of guys having a discussion. And someone mentioned a stat wrong from a game. And this, like, arrogant voice out of me comes and turns around to the group and says, actually, yada, 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 yada. And, like, tries to correct him on the stat and the game and whatever. And my best friend Trevor, he looks at me. He's like, "AJ," and we were actually walking to the to, to go do uh, some more lawns. And he and he's like, "What are you doing here?" And I said, "What do you mean? What am what, what am I doing here?" He says, "Why aren't you shouldn't be mowing lawns? You should be in radio. Why aren't you in sports radio?" And I was like, "I don't know, Trevor. Too much work. I don't want to. Like, it's just I don't know how to get in the business. You got to know people, and I just I'm not there." <laughs> and uh he said he said, no you need to go be doing radio i don't want to see you back here next year and uh it was i kind of caught me off guard and so i was uh i was doing some thinking about it and i had um i ended up playing summer baseball for uh, a team in northern utah league and the shortstop was also a board op weston oh yeah and and he was helping out with the full court press at the time. And he asked, hey, AJ, uh, we're going to be short on people. Do you want to come help do a show with me and Eric and talk about game four of the Lakers and Jazz? And I said, dude, I'm all in. Sure, why not? So I went in there, and I did it, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Loved it to every – in fact, we actually interviewed Scott Gerard that day on the show. Oh, and that wow. was the very first time I'd ever talked to Scotty in my life. Didn't know who he was, didn't know anything about him, but uh, they had him on the show, and I was thrilled. And so I get done, and I go back to my friend. I'm like, yeah, I probably need to get into this radio thing. And so I was going to start going to school, and then I uh, reached out to you guys about a board op. I think it was you that I spoke with directly, Mm -hmm. and you were so kind, Dave. You were so great about bringing me in, teaching me the roles, but then giving me space to allow me to learn and grow in the business. Like, you didn't just micromanage me at all. It was allow me to learn and grow. And so I uh, was able to, uh, yeah, I was able to uh, board up the Bear River Games with Harry Gephardt, and, uh, who's at the uh, play-by-play mic, and uh, Casey, uh, I think Casey Winters or Casey Thompson mm-hmm. was the uh, color guy. And then one day, and this is, again, this is so much credit to you, Dave. Uh, Casey wasn't sure if he was going to make it there. And he was like, hey, can you come do color for the game? And I said, I'd love to. And I asked if you would board up. And Dave, again, I just, I owe so much to you because you said, yeah. And then you gave me some great tips and advice. You were willing to come in and board up the game. I was able to go to Preston and Case ended up being there. But we had three mics and we were able to call the Preston Bear River game. And I loved it. I absolutely fell in love with it with doing it. And then, um, I, you know, when I got, when I got back to doing board offing again, I would, I would sometimes go do color with Harry when he needed it. And then also be board offing. And the biggest thing you told me is create the broadcast. And so I would be able to add music 
in doing the broadcast. Like when we come back from break, instead of just coming back cold, I would actually add music into the into the rejoin and stuff like that. And Dave, you were so magnificent and just guiding me along, but not hovering over me and allowing me to grow and allow me to share ideas with you. And you listen to him and you would say, okay, that's a good idea, but what if we did this instead? Or, you know what, let's go with this instead of doing that. And just, it was awesome. And I, I owe so much to you in that regard. And, uh, and then later on, it ended up, uh, um, helping out with Harry pretty regularly mm-hmm. doing, uh, doing games. And I just, it was a blast, man. Now I, I remember as, as that was all going on, you had the opportunity, uh, through our mutual friend, Scott Gerard to, uh, to help out with, uh, uh, 1280 The Zone in Salt Lake City. I, I remember getting the call from Scotty and asking me if I knew of anybody that might be of interest, and I immediately thought of you. Uh, that had to be a huge step to go from literally, I'm talking, uh, you know, we're not a big town, not a small town in Logan, Utah, but we we did things as simple as possible. Then you had to go into uh, one of the major markets in the country in Salt Lake City, Utah, and learn completely new things and new ways of doing things. That I mean, I, I tried to keep things as simple as possible, but I remember you telling me how how busy you were doing board hopping. I, I laugh. Do you remember the story of how that all started? By the way? So you emailed Scotty, right? And you said, "Hey, I've got a guy here who's just finishing up college, really." And you put out an incredibly kind email um gave me a reference that i could never have asked for or you ever it, will ever well i don't know i mean like dude i read the email after Cascotti showed me later on and i was like dude half this isn't even true like he's being <laughs> way too nice and i remember so i remember this i had just got released from the bishopric on january 14th of 2014 on January 15th of 2014, that's a Monday, I got a phone call from Scott Gerard, And he's like, hey, I'd love to have you come you know, down and see what the studio looks like and, and come check it out and kind of see how we do things here. I was elated. So January 22nd, I, on a Tuesday, I went down there. And I, it wasn't an interview, but I treated it like an interview. And I was like pushing for them to hire me and i still remember to this day sitting in a studio with scott gerard and saying scott i will be the best decision you ever made and he looks at me and he's like dude all they ask the guy is what does he think about the radio business and this guy's (laughs) pitching me to hire him and um i walked out of there and i was like i killed it i absolutely killed it i know he wants me and I call and I didn't hear anything. And April, I call him. He's like, yeah, we're not sure yet. I'll let you know. July, I call him. Yeah, we're not sure. I'll let you know. And by then, I was like, screw it. I am out. I ain't, they ain't going to give me the job. And then in October, no, September of 2014, September, nine months later, man, I get up one morning. And I don't get on Facebook often, but I did that morning for some reason. And I had a Facebook message from Scotty. Dude, the guy had my number. And he Facebook messaged me the day before on a Friday. And he's like, hey, we have an opening. Love to talk to you. See if you're interested. Let me know. Reach back to me. And I was like, why is he Facebooking me? So I call him the next – because I was like 24 hours late on this message. So I call him, and I'm like, hey, let me know. I'll come down. I'd love to interview. Whatever I can do. I'm so elated at this point. Uh, And then I don't hear from him for a week. Right. And then a week later, he gets back to me and he's like, yeah, hey, let's do this. Let's get you going. Uh, we'll have you down. And so I went down and then I, I love school. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad I went to college, but I remember a very valuable lesson. I handed him my resume and I said, hey, yeah, I graduated from Utah State. And, and he goes, honestly, Ajay, I don't care about that. Can you do this? Yeah. Can you do this? Yeah. Can you do this? Yeah. Which, by the way, all three were complete lies. I've never even heard of the things you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, "Great, you're hired, and you start uh, you start next week. We'll email some stuff, make sure you fill out the paperwork." And that was it. Wow. And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I remember I, you were the very first person I called. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you were the very first person I called, and I told about that. And then, uh, so yeah, that's kind of a, a whole like prelude to getting to twelve eighty. And then, uh, as you said, um, I let's see, October seventeenth is uh, is when I started. And dude, it was the rudest awakening of my life. Mm-hmm. I got my I got my butt kicked, and they that place that job tore me inside out, flipped me upside down, showed you my guts, showed you the just everything. It was bad, and and I had great people to work with. They were so patient with me, but I had no clue what I was doing. I it was and it was so fast paced. I did the BYU pregame, I did an Aggie game, and I did the Utah pregame the following week. Like, and it was just bam, 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 bam. Here's this, here's this, here's this. And I was taking notes furiously, and it was just, I wasn't, I couldn't keep up. And I remember I called you, no, you called me and left a voicemail, and I called you back, and I think I was, I honestly was about to cry, because I thought, oh my gosh, what have I got myself into? I'm way over my head. I'm never going to be good at this job and I need to quit. And remember, and without telling you any of that, you kind of sensed it in me. I remember you saying, AJ, I can tell you're struggling. Hang in there. There's a reason why they hired you. There's a reason why I recommended you. Stay above water. And I remember you just gave me such great advice and calmed me down so, so well. And then I think, I mean, it took me a while. It took me like three to four months to actually get it down to what the, how they did things. And you're right. As simple as it was at cash Valley, it's a totally brand new ball game in so many ways at 1280, the zone. And in a good way, um, like I said, I learned a lot from you and, and cash Valley media group, but I can't tell you the, the, hey, the five foot Harry Potter sized novel of, of education. Like it was a doctorate degree in radio at 1280 that you had to finish in a month. And it was, it was unreal, man. It was exhausting. It was tiring. I was, I, I saw the lowest of my lows in the business. Um, and there weren't many highs to tell you in that first six months, there were very, very few highs. And, and you know, there was, um, sorry, I'm making this a long answer, but it was, yeah. Well, Anytime you start something new and you're not familiar with it, there's a big learning curve. And I, I've tried to tell people um, that I've worked with uh, here. I'm just, I'm just going to lay it out uh, with some of the management at uh, the Cash Valley Media Group that someone who does board hopping, they were expecting them to be able to do everything within one week and be left by themselves. And I kept on saying, no, 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 no. I mean, I would be there at the beginning of the season, probably the first three, maybe four weeks, just in case something happened that you guys hadn't thought of, or I hadn't thought of telling, or uh, there was technical issues. And I I remember telling you this when you went to 1280, that they were going to have a completely different way of doing things and do it their way, because that's the way they want it done. And that's what a boss is saying. This is the way you're going to do it. You're going to do it that way. And I, I know you struggled. You talked to me several times about some of the struggles and how busy it was and how you didn't have time to turn around and and think about what was going on, but you learned so much. And I, I know Scotty has told me uh, very many times that you're one of the best. So uh, well, that, he's just being nice. Like, yeah. I mean, and, and the other yes, thing he about is. it is, <laughs> yeah, he really is. I mean, because there was a long learning curve that I just had a really hard time getting over. And um, the toughest part about it, Dave, if I can be straight up with you right now. Okay, go for it. I, I, I didn't make friends at 1280. Mm-hmm. I honestly did not have any friends at 1280. And that wasn't the job. Like, here at Cash Valley Media Group, I've actually made friends, kept friends, and have friends, you know. Um, at 1280, dude, there is major personalities there, big-time personalities. Uh, you know, Spence Checkets is one of the best in the business I've ever listened to in my life, ever. And I would ask him suggestions and questions, and he wouldn't answer them. He didn't want to talk about it. He, he didn't have time to, in, in his opinion. Um Scott treated me really, really well, and so did Hans Olsen. Those two guys were so good to me. 
but they also like they demand perfection. I I feel like here at Cash Out Media Group, you can make mistakes and we can get away with it and we'll be all right. At twelve eighty, if you make a mistake, it is microscope, it is magnified tenfold because it, they feel like it affects in some way. Either if it doesn't right then, it will later on. It will affect that station, and they, I mean, it will chew you up and spit you out. And so you really had to develop a sense of mental toughness to be there in that company. And again, it was a great company. I love it. Um, I adore Scott Gerard to to no end. And you know, in the end, as you know, I told that story the first where you know I told him I was the best decision he would ever make. I was I was completely wrong. He was the best decision I ever made. I like it's always this, you know, what is the eternal perspective of things and where is the end game actually at? And um, you could say I've, I've kind of pulled a long con on Scotty to keep me as long as he has. But I've been able to I went from being a producer there to being an engineer or a tech for the show or for the station where I was traveling with, you know, each and all the shows, you know, setting up the broadcast and doing all these sorts of things to now being Scotty's engineer for Utah State football and basketball, like I would have never, ever saw that coming in 2014, ever, not once. Right. And so there's a sense of like understanding that as you go along there, um, you're going to learn new things. And if we ask you to do something that you've never done before, just shut up and do it. Because in the end, it's going to benefit you one way or another. And I got really, really lucky in, in some of the people that I worked with over there and, and the way it was handled, but I can tell you right now, I didn't make any friends. I there was, I made zero friends over there, and that was probably the toughest part is how lonely I felt when things were so hard at first. I I, I remember you uh, talking to me about that and how uh, the, the the atmosphere was completely different, and and that oh you, you find that a lot in the different small market up to a, a a bigger market, a major market, because the the pressures are a lot different in one of the major markets like Salt Lake City. Reflection. Hi, this is Dave Denton. Let my voice go to work for you. It's Dave'sVoiceWorks.com. Spell works, W-O-R-X. And you can hear samples of my on-air work and also some of the commercials I've done over the years. There's pictures from some of my career and more, all at Dave'sVoiceWorks.com. Dave'sVoiceWorks.com. Spell works, W-O-R-X. We're always talking about radio. Radio talk. All we hear is radio So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor, I can take it. keep those Someone's listening to me. Now I know how a radio feels. Reflection. 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 But you've worked hard at what you, you've done. You, you've worked with Aggie football through some of the bad times and some of the great games they've had recently, and then also Aggie basketball. But recently you've had a little change in what's going to be coming up during the basketball season. Ajay, congratulations, because you told me you're going to become the play-by-play voice for the Aggie women's basketball team. Is that still going to go? Yeah, I just officially signed everything uh, two weeks ago, Uh uh, sending the paperwork, and so it's official. Um, Yeah, dude, again, there's like a long conduit. I I kid you not. Come on, Dave. I (laughs) I went from being a board off for Bear River Basketball, and then when I came back in 2018, um, after I left my full-time job to come coach baseball, um, Eric Franson had put out that he was looking for a co-host for the Full Court Press, and I reached out to him. I said, hey, look, I've got audio. I've done a ton of shows. And he's like, look, Aj, you're the last person I need audio from. I, I don't even need a resume. Just, you know, let's sit down, let's talk, and let's see if we can figure something out. And, and, and credit to Eric, um, you know, allow me to work with 1280 and still be able to work with Eric. And I, I, I developed, I mean, I, I talked about not making friends at, at 1280, but I definitely, I consider Eric a really, really close friend of mine now, you know, Good. the time that we spent together and, and what we've been able to build together now in our show. And then, uh, so, I mean, I, I leave 1280, come back here. I'm still Scotty's engineer. 
I'm helping out, like you said, with football and basketball. And then uh, the women's play-by-play left for Marquette. And Scotty calls me. And I was over at a friend's house on a vacation. And Scotty called me, and I was like, don't answer it. Don't answer it. Don't answer it. And I answered it. And he tells me, he's like, hey, look, uh, you probably heard about Jane um, leaving for, you know, Marquette. You should go take the woman's job. And I said, boss, I'm your engineer. And he goes, yeah, we'll figure it out. And I was like, wait a minute. Why are you trying to get rid of me? And he said, AJ, I'm not. I, I, I love you. But, and it was almost the exact same conversation I had with my friend in 2009. He said, I don't want to have you be my engineer in three years. You need to be doing something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really kind of eye-opening. And so we talked about it. And I talked with – I made so many phone calls to people that I worked with, play-by-play people um, around the country that I've been around, some who actually worked for CBS. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I had these conversations with them, and everything pointed to where I should take it. And so there was a lot of conversation, and uh, finally took it. And I, I look forward to the great opportunity. I, I got so many great messages. And I know it's egocentric to name drop about people who message you, so I probably shouldn't do that on this podcast because I don't want to get in trouble. Do it, with you do or... it, do it! Come on, no. <laughs> come on! I, I, I got I I got a lot of great messages from people um, that. I had looked up to and I never heard from in my life and somehow got my info <laughs> um, from coaches, uh, from people I work in radio with, including you. Um, and it was awesome. It, w- it was really cool. And it kind of gave me that, that um, validation that what I'm doing is the right thing yeah. and that I got a lot of support behind me. And Utah State's been great about it too. And uh, so I look forward to the opportunity. Can't wait to get going and uh, hope I don't suck. <laughs> no, you won't suck. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about how people can listen to the Aggie women's basketball game. It's not on terrestrial radio. It would be internet. Is that correct? Uh, yes. You can go to utahstateaggies.com, and they'll broadcast the games live there. It is on 92.3 Aggie radio. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I think that's just inside Logan. It's like a campus radio station. Mm-hmm. So uh, you'll hear it uh, on online on, on utahstateaggies.com, and then, of course, on my um, – on our stream, or I mean, on the radio, 92.3. And then AJ Knight is actually going to be my color guy. Um, AJ and I have worked together for quite a few years. We've done a few games together. And AJ has a desire to be in radio broadcasting, just like I did. And I learned a valuable lesson from somebody who told me, you know, AJ, treat other people and give them an opening. Like they, like people have given an opening for you. Like, you know, you have, and Scotty has, and, and Utah State has. And so, I knew that AJ Knight, who uh, who I've done radio with for a little bit, has had a really big desire to be a part of sports radio. And um, I said, hey, let's sell, let's talk, let's see if we can figure this out. And uh, I think he'll be really good for the broadcast. I think he'll add a great dynamic. So I'm, okay. I'm excited for AJ um, much more than I'm excited for myself. No, I'm excited for you and AJ, too, because he's a great guy. Uh, but I, I, do, I do remember one thing that I'm going to compliment you on real real quick is one of the things that I said that I thought you could do this was because you are a storyteller. And what are you doing when you are doing a broadcast is you're telling the story of that game. But how did I know that you are a storyteller? And I, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here to go to my other podcast because you were my co-host for several years on Turnbuckle Trash of where we talked about professional wrestling. And you told some fantastic stories uh, about your love of professional wrestling. So I'm going to ask you a couple of stories. And this part is also going to be on our next podcast for Turnbuckle Trash. I'm going to kind of cross promote here because uh, you, you told stories about how you found a love of professional wrestling because of The Undertaker. Talk about those early days of watching the WWE f or wwe at that time yeah so my parents were not a fan of professional wrestling they hated it so i would stay up like late late at night or i'd sneak back upstairs turn on the tv to watch wwe Warzone and wwe raw's war and all that and i when i was young my first match i ever watched was undertaker and jake the snake whoa and i and i fell in love i mean adored the undertaker just his gimmick and just his character um, and he said so little, but he had such a great impact on you just watching him wrestle. And 
Um, and I, I, I stayed with him throughout his career. Uh, and I remember I actually went to a friend's house. I lied to my mom and dad saying I was going to some <laughs> church activity uh, and ended up going to watch uh, WWE. Uh, I think it was uh, King of the Ring where Undertaker threw mankind off the hell, uh, the hell in the cell. Oh yeah. And threw him through the hell in the cell as well. And uh, I remember watching that match and just being like, man, Undertaker is the bomb. And so, yeah, I, I developed a huge love for professional wrestling. When I was little, really little. And it, it still hasn't gone away. And I've had some great opportunities along the way, too. And one of those opportunities, and I know you get tired of me talking about this, but it's one of the great stories of a fan meeting professional wrestlers that I've ever heard in my life. Now, this has to go back to when you were working 1280 The Zone and you were working with one of the best baseball announcers I've ever heard, Steve Klauke, with the Salt Lake Bees, and you were board opping his game, engineering the game, and you happened to be at what's now the Vivint Smart Home Arena where your office was. And that night, there was professional wrestling from the WWE there. Now, let's take you back to that particular night because it was a stormy night. It was raining. There were rain delays and more, but you took advantage of it. Tell us about what you did to meet some of these wrestlers like Sheamus, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll get into the big show. <laughs> It's hilarious. So I, so you're right. Uh, I was, I was, yeah, I was, in, I was producing these games with Steve Clowkey, and uh, I think I had a game in Tacoma, and it rained really badly that day in Tacoma, and we knew, like an hour before the game, we knew this thing was going to be canceled and rescheduled for the for Sunday, and it was a Saturday night, and WWE was at Vivint Small Marina. Our studios are on the fifth floor and so uh i uh, i clocked in and i was gonna just kind of stick around and i was just and i actually had because the way it was it was uh designed i was able to go in with my bag and sit there and watch some wrestling so i'm sitting there and uh knowing that steve's like hey we're gonna be 45 minutes until we hear now it's gonna be 30 minutes so i'm just looking at my watch and uh and checking time but i'm also watching the the wrestling event inside the arena and then finally, Steve tells me, hey, we're going to cancel. It's, it's not going to happen. I'll see you tomorrow. I said, all right. So I went back, watched a little bit more wrestling. And I just uh, – and I was like, all right, I need to get out of here. And so I go back. I – with a badge, if – here's some advice for anybody. When you wear a badge, just walk around anywhere with confidence, and people are going to think that you belong there. And so I went back down all the way to the basement, which is a no-no, and to go clock out. And I shouldn't, and I'm not supposed to do that. But I had my badge on, and I'm like, "Yeah, I belong here. Yeah, I'm, I'm AJ, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, whatever." Yeah. And so I, and so when I'm making my way towards the machine where you clock out at, I there's like a is there's a crossway, and it's like a T, and uh, and all of a sudden I see Seamus cross my path, like honestly, within ten, six yards of me, <laughs> scares the crap out of me. He all he does. Is I stop and I go, and he looks at me and he kind of doesn't even face him. He just looks at me and he goes, Cheers, mate. And I was like, What? <laughs> I was like, That's Seamus. And so I'm fanboying at this point. Oh, okay. Just, let, let, me, let me, before this, let, let's get into this. Seamus is what, six foot five? Did he have his mohawk he, at the time? He did, yeah. And, and, and we've already talked about you're a little shorter in stature. What are you, 5'4"? Yeah, 5'3". 5'3". Uh, so that had to be kind of a shock to see this huge bohemia of the man with that mohawk. And go ahead, talking about Seamus and, and yeah, what it did so to I, you. I crossed Seamus's path, and then I'm walking down. And again, you're just supposed to pretend like you, you know what you're doing, but I probably went too far because I turn around and I walk by Dolph, and he's talking to his manager or somebody, uh -huh. and I'm like, I'm like, hey, what up, Dolph? How you doing, my man? And he just, like, stops the conversation, and he's like, who's that guy? <laughs> he seriously asked me, like, who's that guy? And then I, I run into R-Truth, and I'm like, hey, R-Truth, I just want to know I'm a big fan of your work. You do a great job. And he's like, hey, thanks, man. He goes, what do you do? And I was like, oh, fetch. Uh, I'm doing interviews for uh, the uh, radio station here that uh, we're covering WWE today. And he's like, oh, that's awesome, man. So I totally make up a lie. 
And, uh, and then security guard stops me and is like, hey, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, sir, I work for 12 Days of Zone. Here's my badge. I'm supposed to be doing interviews with wrestlers. We've already sent a PR statement through. We should be good to go. He's like, oh, okay, you're good to go. Dude, I'm like, please do not get back to Scott Gerard. Please do not get back to Scott Gerard. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, I run, well, you, you know you know the story. I run into a mammoth of a human being. <laughs> yeah, th- um, this, this guy is called, his nickname in the WWE was the Big Show for a very good reason. Go for it. So I, uh, I, so I'm walking fine. I was like, all right, I've already pushed my luck. I've seen some wrestlers. This is fun. I got to get out of here. So I go clock out. And as I'm walking down the hallway, I, uh, I'm looking head down. And all of a sudden, I just I hear some footsteps in front of me. And I see a shadow. And I was like, well, who's in front of me? Like, they're walking slow. And I look up. And it's a seven-foot, one, two, whatever he is, 300 mammoth of a man. And I knew immediately who it was, immediately. And I'm like, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Big Big Show, Big Show. And he stops. And he's like five yards in front of me. And he stops. And, I mean, slowly, slowly turns around. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to get chokeslammed right there. Um, I, w- I could not tell you how terrified I was. And I just kind of walked. I kind of stopped. And then I'm like, okay, if I take a sprint, he can't catch me. But the way he was, like, angled, I had to walk by him in front of him. And I was like, oh, man, please, 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 please. And so as I walk by him, I kind of, like, tippy-toe through. And he puts he puts his hand on my left shoulder. And, dude, his thumb was, like, past my pet. And his back of the fingers were to my shoulder blade. And I went up. I only think I went to his thighs. I think I went just above his kneecap. And he looks down at me in this monstrous voice. Um, and he's like, thanks, my man. Thanks for watching wrestling. And I was like, "Why?" Well, I, I, I look up. Uh, no, cause, sorry, what I said is, I, I just want you to know, I've always been a big fan of your work from WCW to now. You've always been the very best in the business, and I can't tell how much I appreciate you for doing what you do. And that's when he says, thanks, my man. I appreciate you for watching wrestling. You doing all right? And I was like, uh, yeah. yeah, great. Good, good, yeah. Uh, gotta go. <laughs> so see you later. And uh, and then I just, I I think I fast walked. I feel like I was sprinting, but I'm pretty sure I fast walked and got out of there and uh, called it a night. So, yeah, that was my time meeting the big show and some <laughs> of the wrestlers. That was That was a blast. So uh, let's kind of fast forward to now. Like I said, this is going to be on both of the podcasts, this portion of it here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of professional wrestling right now, Juice, if you don't mind, with uh, Paul White, the big show, uh, moving over to AEW. Now, I know right at the very first when All Elite Wrestling started, uh, you weren't watching it a lot. Are you, are you watching All Elite now? Because they're one of my favorites to watch. I, I love AEW. Yeah, I've actually... I've actually paid a lot more attention to AEW, uh, Chris Jericho, and they've got some great wrestlers. Like, I mean, I'm telling you what, what the WWE has swung and missed on, AEW has done a great job of coming from on deck to at bat and just swinging it out of the park. Uh, some of their, I mean, the CM Punk pickup is just absolutely great. Like, that is business, and that's how you do it. And I remember his opening intro uh, if I'm not mistaken, was it in Chicago? Yeah, it was if in Chicago, mistaken. yeah. And, dude, just the crowd, the pop, and you could tell you got a totally different CM Punk out of it. You got a guy who wanted to be there. You got a guy who actually was going to have fun, who didn't feel like it was a day-to-day job where he hated being there every day. Um, it was a totally different mentality, attitude. You could tell the crowd welcomed him. You could tell he welcomed the crowd. The adrenaline got into it. I just AEW is taking a dead sprint ahead of everybody else in the wrestling world, and it's teaching you how to write, perform, and entertain, and how to showcase the superstars in a way that doesn't set them too over the top where you ignore everybody at the bottom. It's giving everybody a chance to shine. They have been so good, Dave. Well, you know that's that's the thing about all elite. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take you said Chris Jericho as an example. 
Chris Jericho was the MVP of All Elite the first year. I mean, he did it all. He was their champion. When the COVID-19 hit, uh, he started doing some announcing, and he was doing a great job. It kind of saved the broadcast a little bit, gave it some flavor when there wasn't a crowd there. But a lot of people, when they talk about professional wrestling, they don't they don't talk about how some of these older guys will do do a job for a younger guy. Chris Jericho is a great example of putting people over while still keeping to the top himself. Uh, when he took on MJF and he put MJF over, and then Orange Cassidy, who I think is the breakout star of uh, the uh, All Elite Wrestling. He and Orange uh, and uh, Hangman pa- Page, they are the young stars that are being built up by people like CM Punk and uh, uh, Brian Danielson. And then you add in Darby Allen and Sting. I think it's such a good mixture of that veteran name that will draw an audience and then letting that younger star shine. And CM Punk is a great example when he took on Darby Allen, uh, Darby Allen had a great match against Punk. Punk won, but it was done in such a way that I don't think it hurt Darby Allen to lose to CM Punk. I think it helped him to show that he could hang with these big names and still uh, do a great job in helping to sell that story. And once again, professional wrestling is storytelling. Uh, it's very physical storytelling, but it's still story storytelling. And I think CM Punk has done a good job of that. And Chris Jericho and some of the older stars helping these younger stars build up. And uh, I've just been so impressed. And I'm glad that you, you see the same thing, man. It's, it's, a, it's a great promotion. And they still are making some mistakes, but they're learning from the mistakes. And I'll kind of go over to WWE a little bit. I'm wondering sometimes if they learn. From when they make mistakes. What do you think? No, I, I, you're right. I think they continue to beat a dead horse. And like, he'll sit on social media. Like the fans are like, what are you doing? Like, we've already seen this before, or we've already saw this guy before. Or we, you know, we, we know where the end result is here. Like mix it up, be creative. And AEW, like I said, it's taken it by the bullhorns in regards to creativity and has put something new to it. I, it's been so phenomenal to watch. Uh, I, I've I've really enjoyed EW so much more now, more than WWE. I, mean, I haven't watched hardly any WWE. I'm not going to lie to you. I just I think AEW has really done a great job of taking it all and 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 finding ways to bring entertainment to the fans while also bringing a just a bit of reality to it too. Because I think I feel like Darby Allen really looked up to CM Punk, and for Darby Allen to have the chance to rest the CM Punk was something that you – for Darby Allen, it's great. And you know you're going to get everything you could out of Darby from it. And that's that's what you want. And, uh, yeah, I love AEW right now. Huge fan of what they got going on. Yeah, it's just like when you get to meet somebody, and you know, you and I in, in the broadcast industry. Uh, I had a chance to meet a guy named Charlie Tuna. And, uh, you know, somebody that's in, not in the broadcast industry might not have ever heard Charlie Tuna, but he was a huge name. And I didn't get to talk to him very much. But for me to be in his presence and say hi to him, I really enjoy your work, that meant a lot to me as a young radio announcer. And meeting Rick Dees, you know, right after the Disco Duck was such a a big hit, uh, that meant a lot to me as a young radio announcer. And I imagine when you are working in the wrestling industry and you have a chance, like the people at DCW have had recently, to work with some of these big names, like uh, uh, Doc Gallows and then QT Marshall, who was in Salt Lake City last weekend. Uh, it has to be really cool for them to to meet these guys and sit at the learning tree uh, when they get to meet somebody like a Vince Russo or maybe Ray Mysterio, who was in Salt Lake several years ago. That that has to mean a lot to someone who is a performer. And these guys are performers, and I'm going to tie this back into radio because – that's what we do. I don't know if you agree with me on this, Ajay, but several years ago, I came to the conclusion that I was not a radio disc jockey. And, you know, that's what I started off. I was, I was playing the platters. I was playing the hits. But I found out that, more, no, I was more of a performer, a storyteller on the air, telling the story of the radio station, telling the story of the day, you know, 
when uh, I get there at five o'clock in the morning to get ready to go on the air at six, I got to talk about how the weather is going to be news stories that might affect people's lives. I've got to entertain them. It's not just sitting there spinning platters and saying up next, the OJs and the Beatles. There was a lot more to it. And it took me probably 30 years into my career before I really understood that. And I hope you understand that now. Yeah, I think you you got to have an understanding. Like when you're on the air, people are listening to you to be entertained, and your job is to find a way to entertain them. And, you know, for for a sports show, you know, there's got to be entertainment. And I think it's different from being, you know, uh, one who would maybe cover music. Um, for me, it's it's you know, I have to have hot takes. Some of them are bad takes, and I know they're bad takes. But you know what? That's what's going to get the crowd on their feet. That's what they're going to get, you know, they're going to be screaming at me for is, dude, that's such a horrible take. Why would you say that, you know? Uh Uh, But they're listening. They're reacting to it. As long as they can react to it, then you know you're doing your job. And that's one of the good things that uh, on your particular end, uh, you get to take the telephone calls and and get that immediate reaction. That's got to be a little (laughs) bit different, too, than uh, whenever you're uh, on the air and, Ajay, I, I can't express enough how proud I am of you, uh, not only as an announcer now and getting that job with the Utah State Aggie women's basketball team, but as a man. You're married to Nadine, a beautiful lady, and uh, your life, which still has struggles like everybody has struggles, but you're working at it, and I think you're you're working hard at your life. And uh, I, can't, I can't say how proud I am of you, and it wouldn't be enough. Oh, thank you, man. I greatly appreciate it. And again, remember, this started with you. So <laughs> the creation of Object the Radio Guy really started with you. And uh, I, uh, your help and your advice and getting me through some of these times uh, and, and continuing to be there for me when I call is something I'll never, ever, uh, ever take for granted. And I greatly appreciate it. And that's Radio Guy Reflections, a podcast about radio and the people behind the microphone. In future podcasts, we'll look at what makes a successful and sometimes a train wreck of a radio show. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. We'll talk with people who started in radio and moved on to success in other fields. Radio Guy Reflections will be back soon with another show about radio and the men and women who produce the radio 